Welcome. We're going to start this out like we always do and say, man, can't believe this is episode 29. No, can't no. believe we've been We're not gonna say that doing this, this for 29 weeks. Yeah. 29. <laughs> Welcome to the American Craftsman Podcast, episode 29. We're, uh, I think Rob we're just dumbfounded <laughs> that uh, we've, we've got this thing going. and Yeah, uh, they haven't the kicked ground. us off the air yet. Yeah. <laughs> Is there an internet police? The to, FCC. To just get rid of like stuff that's no good? <laughs> no, there's plenty of it out there. There's just no, scroll around Instagram for a little there's while. There's no quality control management. Yeah, no, no, I wish there was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they might be screening us off. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're here again. Wednesday in the shop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, starting the podcast off, as we always do, with the beer of the week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this because uh, we got some hype coming. And what do we what do we have here under, under oh, the glasses? Oh yeah, check this out. I mean, this is some of the best stuff as far as uh, you know doing the podcast. And um, it's not going to focus very well, but yeah, you could probably see better the community and the and the friends we've made, long distance friends from all over the country all over the world yeah yeah so alec who's one of our patreon patrons and uh and a buddy of ours uh on instagram and everything he just got a laser engraver Mm -hmm. so we sent over some coasters with the with the logo um and for those that were just listening we were holding up these really cool round cork cork. coasters yeah with the uh podcast logo engraved laser engraved into them yeah if you're uh, interested in one of the glasses we still have some left uh the american craftsman podcast beer glass yeah yeah we've been giving them out as like uh parting gifts to our guests yeah uh so you can head over to the website got those for uh 9.99 10 bucks or something we're selling them for yeah that's uh, basically cost plus the, the shipping yeah, and everything right um so yeah if you want to drink along while you listen to the podcast you can grab your own glass um they're those sort of can shaped glasses yeah it's they're a nice cool. big 16 ounce yeah so well i'm parched yeah yeah working up the thirst already all right i'm gonna crack it open and pour it in oh i like the name already so this is a beer from Icarus Brewing, local brewery. We've had, uh, oh, wow, I'm looking at the ABV on this now. We've had this uh, beers from them once or twice before. This is called Milkshaking It. Heavily weeded and oated Northeast Imperial, Imperial India Pale Ale with lactose and vanilla beans. Copiously dry hopped with experimental 09326 Columbus and Lupulin Citra conditioned on Madagascar vanilla beans. That's a mouthful. 8.1% ABV by volume. Icarus Brewing, brewed and canned in Lakewood, New Jersey. Ooh, it's got a nice color to it. Yeah. Certainly smells nice. That's a 16-ounce can just getting into the glass. Wow. That's distinctive. I'm going to have to let that set a little bit. Yeah, I had to finish it off. Cheers. Cheers to you guys. Oh, 
Not bad. Wow. You can taste that uh, 8.1%. Yeah. And it, it's definitely a distinctive flavor. There's a lot going on there. Actually. I can taste the lactose. Anywho, we won't get too deep into the beer. We'll uh, we'll say that to the end if we can remember what the hell it tastes like by that point. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you got for tool of the week? Well, the tool of the week is my 16-foot Tajima tape. And uh, the reason I brought out all these other tapes, I have my, uh, how do you say this, stall wheel, stall while? Yeah. That was that was in the apron there for a while. Uh, made in Germany. Had the half metric. I also have the Tajima. This is just a little six footer. That's uh, almost a toy. Uh, Jeff and I both tried this uh, Comalon. Sucked. Yeah. Um, this Milwaukee tape is pretty good. This is I found if I was like making the deck or something like that. Yeah. This is all right. The blade on that's yeah, massively wide. Yeah. And this was really my old standby, this steel-cased Stanley 12-footer. I mean, because the weight of this is more more than this and this put together. Yeah. Um, and this one, as you can see, we're a little bit have a, a little nerd thing going with the tapes. Just this a is, little bit. This is just a partial. There's probably another 10 tapes in the shop. Oh, yeah. 10 different tapes laying around here. But this is the one that's uh, back in the apron. It was in the apron. I tried all these others. Um, I mean, except for the Stanley. That was that was an oldie. Um, uh, it's just the tape is really wearing out on yeah. that. It's not as not as accurate either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important when you're working with more than one guy in a shop that your tapes read the same. Yeah, <laughs> we we ran into that with another guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love this tape. Um, is one of the things I like about it is that it's really easy to read. Yeah, it's what if you're just listening, it's it's a Tajima G16. They have a couple different um, yeah lines, but yeah, it has a white tape, and it's kind of matte. Yeah, you know, I don't really like the gloss finish. No, it doesn't really make any sense. Um, it's it's I'm not concerned with standout so much, like you know, like with framers and things like that. Yep. But I do like a a pretty stiff blade so that you know you can you hold it with your finger. Like I don't really clip the lock too much. I like right. to just hold it with my finger on the bottom of the tape. The, it returns really nice. It's got a good feel to it, and it's not too big that it doesn't go in and out of the apron. That Milwaukee's uh, that's ridiculously large. Yeah, it's about an. <laughs> the blade is an inch and a half wide. Yeah. Um this is yeah, it's got its it's got its place, but it's just too big to be practical. I had my I had uh, my hopes up on that Comalon. Yeah. Cuz it uh you know, it's got a nice feel to it. It's got a nice shape. Yeah. And it, uh, it's super light. Yeah, the you know, a little too bright for me, maybe. Yeah. Um, the color choice the is a little weird. <laughs> but the uh, the auto lock just it sucks and it wore out in less than a couple of days. Yeah, you know they have everything marked one eighth, quarter, three eighths, half. Five. Okay, we I know it. what the not. Well, I know what the tick marks are. <laughs> maybe if you had it on just the inch, but it's all the way. It's all the way on the whole yeah. tape. Yeah, one eighth, 
one quarter, one. Come on. You can't read the tape. Yeah, you shouldn't own one. Right. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. If you don't know about Tajima tapes, they're made in Japan. Mm -hmm. They're a real high quality tape. Um, Very accurate, that sort of thing. I've Um, had uh, four or five different. Yeah, tape Jeff measures. turned me on to that brand. Yeah, and they make some other tools too, and they're all really good. Oh yeah, yeah. The, if you use a chalk line, the best chalk line you can buy is the Chalk Right. I think it's called by Tajima. Um, what else do I have? I have the Convoy caulking guns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Did you have their knife? I, I have had the blue uh, utility knife. A little small for me. I like a big. Yeah. Big utility knife. I use a little uh, three eighths inch snap off knives in the shop, but on on uh on like an install I want a big yeah you use that beefy one yeah Stanley Titan mm-hmm. yeah so there you go that's a that's a good rec- hearty recommendation on yeah. the tape put a link for that down in the description Tajima G16 yeah and shock if, resistant and if you have a little kid at home and they you want to get them Started get him a G6. When when Jeff's boy, who's two and a half, comes by, I give him this tape to play with, and he's he's learning his numbers and how to use a tape. He has several tape measures. Yeah, yeah. So this says, uh, Tajima Tools for a perfect job, anytime, anywhere, since 1909. Wow. Yeah, tried and true. Yeah. Feels, Feels right. Yeah, it's got a it good up. it's got a good lock if you do use yeah, the lock. Yeah. Uh lot like the Stanley ones, you can't easily get them fully no. locked down. Um I venture to guess that that Milwaukee's maybe the same cuz it's so big. <laughs> yeah. But this, you know, easily gets to the fully yeah. locked. Yeah. Is yeah. it easy? Yeah, it's got a lot of travel. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a final There's bit. Two, there's like a two it's a two part kind of thing. That's what this one is yeah. too. Um, but like the Stanley fat max, yeah. fat maxes, you really got to push down hard to get yeah. Maybe it's just my, uh, dainty yeah. furniture maker hands, but <laughs> I was a car. I was a site carpenter for a long time. Don't forget. <laughs> I'm, I'm converting you over to the dark side Yeah, because the difference between working out in the field and working in the shop is pretty vast as you start, you know, getting like, used to working at a bench and carrying less stuff because everything's sort of within reach. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pack your things up at night. So you do start going smaller and lighter on yeah. some things. You can get away with it. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Check them out. Check them out. Yeah. Well. Gripe of the week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, got one. Soon to be retired gripe? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we, you know, we'll 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 put it on the shelf yeah. for a while. I mean, today's a little gray, but we've had some glorious weather here the last few days. For those that don't know, we're in the Northeast U.S. We're on the coast of New Jersey, mm-hmm. Central Jersey coast, and it it was just like sixties, sixty five, maybe sun shining. Yeah, Fifty two now, but yeah. it doesn't feel like it. Because it's overcast. The robins are coming out. Yep. And um, it, it really, spring is so nice if you live in a four-season area mm-hmm. where that, that wintertime is dissipating and you feel spring coming and uh, you start to see some of the buds on the plants and those birds coming back. 
so it's hard to gripe when you have that kind of stuff going on outside oh, yeah. your window and outside. But my gripe of the week this week is, and this is something we were kind of talking about earlier, is the way news is always uh, focusing on Oh, I see. I, th- I thought you were going on in a different direction. <laughs> no. And when I say news, I mean, you know, the reported news. Yep. And it's it's what it, I was reading in the Times that, uh, about a couple of uh, research institutes that kind of filed up on this story, this this train of thought to see if it was really true. And it turns out they did one study. They came up with results and they triple checked it with a couple others and uh, people are more interested in something that sounds like, uh, you know, a bad accident yeah. or a tragedy. And that's a shame. I mean, I'm probably guilty of it myself, but yeah. uh, I would like to wish uh, that we could start focusing on better news. Because my gripe of the week is the focus on all the bad news out there yeah. instead of some of the good things that are going on. I thought you were going to gripe about your physical therapy this morning. <laughs> you know. That's where I thought you were going. Forget about, forget about what I just said. <laughs> Here's my real gripe of the week. Okay. so it's I mean, a, This is the petty gripe. That was a real gripe. That was a real gripe. My petty gripe. Now, it, Jeff and I are both going to PT, physical therapy, him for his knees. Mine, I have a, a bicep tendon that's in bad shape, and it's been bugging me on and off for about four years. So finally I go to physical therapy and I set my appointment for seven o'clock so we can get here and get to work. This is the way Jeff and I both do it. Even though we're the quote unquote bosses, we, you know, we like to work and we like to, yeah, what the hell we're, we got to run a business. It's uh, yeah, you know, you can't take advantage of that kind no. of stuff as much as, you know, some people may try. <laughs> That's right. So we both schedule for seven o'clock so we can get back at work, you know, sort of the normal working time, eight o'clock. Takes about 10 minutes for us to to get from the office to the shop. And my guy, he doesn't like starting at seven o'clock. So he kept telling me, you know, you, you don't have to come at seven. You can come at 7.15, 7.20. For your seven o'clock appointment. Right, right. And I'm like, but I want to come at seven because I want to be done at eight. Right. I mean, I would have made a seven thirty appointment <laughs> right. had I wanted to come at seven thirty. Like I don't like getting out of the house that early either. But you know, that's his job. Right. So today I go there seven. I I even sat in the car till ten after seven. Thought I'd give him a little chance. Go up there. Place is closed. I go back. I sit in the car you know, reading some stuff on my phone, 720, still no answer. So I called, I canceled all my appointments. I said, well, no, we were there at 720. I'm like, no, you really weren't there at 720 because <laughs> I was there at 720. Right. So that, I mean, what, what's the gripe in a couple of words? Can you put that in a sentence? Um... Yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking, like, you know, if you have a doctor's appointment and you don't show up, they can, like, charge you. Yeah, like a f- yeah. But now you're out your time. Yeah, that's the other thing. They didn't even call me to wonder where I was. 
They didn't call all day. I had to call them after lunch. And they're and they're saying, Oh no, no, we don't we we could be there at seven. I'm like, no, no, cancel my appointment. Should be there at six forty five if you got a seven <laughs> o'clock appointment. Exactly. I was telling so. Rob, I show up to my because I go to a different physical therapist. I show up at six fifty five, the girl's sitting at the desk, the the uh whatever receptionist, and I see my physical therapist is sitting there on the computer getting ready. Lights are on. Yeah, and it's not like they have to like jump right to work because for me, probably same or similar. I go on the for bike you. for eight minutes. That's the first yeah. thing I do. Yeah, first thing for me is ten minutes of heat. Mm-hmm. So they're not even. All they do is put the the pad yeah, on. Yeah, they you. pull it out of the thing and put it on your arm. And then I'm pretty much self, uh, you know, motivated because they I have the sheet with all the stretches. Yeah, I mean I've been doing the same thing the whole time I've been going. I don't right. even need. They're getting paid to just right. see me inside the door. Yeah, so for the first 20 minutes, I'm all on my own. They don't even need to do anything. So they really, at 7.20, that's when the guy could start working on me. And Grow up, guy. Come on, <laughs> 7 o'clock is not that early. I know. <laughs> I'm up 5 a.m., 24-7, right. 365. I know, so... Oh man, it was it was so annoying because I I went to bed extra early last night so I could get up earlier so I could have my morning routine and then go. Well, I pulled in at seven forty. I saw your car. I was yeah. like, I wonder what the hell happened. Yeah, I I was it ruined my whole morning. Yeah, but it worked out well in the end because I I dug out my old big brace. What's that company? Don Joy. My big Don Joy brace with the articulated. Uh, elbow and my arm feels better today. If I mean that thing's a bear to strap on. Oh and yeah, wear. yeah. Um, but is it titanium? <laughs> I think that's what the the knee ones are. Yeah, I don't know what's on the inside, but you know it's that big neoprene and yeah. it straps on tight. So it's it's a rugged thing. But my arm doesn't isn't sore today, and I did all that hand sanding. Yeah, it doesn't allow you to like go out of the correct right. like, range of motion. Right. Well, I mean, we both sanded for four hours this morning. Yeah, I mean, I got that swollen <laughs> knuckle over here. Got so, the, the middle knuckle on my uh, right hand is like yeah. twice the size of. So for those of you who want to be woodworkers. Yeah. yeah. Today was we it was a combined eight hours of sanding before lunch. Yeah. And I'd be doing more if it wasn't if we weren't sitting down for this. Yeah. 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 So there you go. We got it was a double gripe, a real one. They're both real, but petty one's petty. and one, yeah, more legitimate. One, yeah, so that that was pretty good. Yeah, well, we got a decent amount of questions this week. We better we better get rocking and rolling. Get into on them. This. Yeah, you know, I I when you printed this out, I I read this as we were setting up, and I I laughed because I'll let you take it then. <laughs> <laughs> so here's our very first question from Hey Good Hardwoods on Instagram. I'm a hobbyist woodworker and started taking jobs from friends and family to pay for my hobby. We all kind of started that way. I'm intermediate at best and feel like I know my limits. When you were getting started, how'd you both handle situations when a job may be testing the limits of your skill set? Have you ever had an experience where you realize you are in way over your head? <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> well, 
Um, oh. I'll say that, you know, really every job is yeah. testing our skill set in some way or another because we're, we always introduce something to the job to like, even if it's a kitchen, um, if it's something that we've built a thousand times, we might introduce a new technique or a new, mm-hmm. new, uh, process a new way of doing something we might say oh we're gonna do the we're gonna try and bore the shelf pins this way this time or whatever you know you're gonna do we're gonna do something new right just to uh you know try and expand the skill set that you're talking about um how do we handle the situation in terms of testing the skill set um we don't really handle much. We kind of just <laughs> we kind of just go for it, and yeah, then yeah. you know if it doesn't work out, you always have the you can fall back on yeah stuff that we know is a little bit right more solid. So, uh, in terms of being in over our head, good example is this. Yeah, you could see right here the uh, these are the curved parts for those chaise lounges that we were building. Um, now these were originally supposed to be steam bent. We've never done any steam bending, none whatsoever. Um, so that was the plan originally. Yeah. On our end, the, these weren't sold as steam bent. They weren't sold as anything in particular. Just curved. Right. Yeah. The drawing didn't even have wood grain on it. So um, we're matching something that already exists, which, you know, not something we typically do. Um, so the steam bending, I mean, we tried three or four different ways yeah. to go about it and they all you know failed miserably well i mean not we, mis- we well had... they all yeah they all failed they didn't they weren't up to snuff some of them were right. we got close but they weren't wasn't a hundred percent on no either, um either way so what we did is we fell back to a technique that we were comfortable with which was yeah. gluing gluing them up cutting it on the bandsaw flush trimming on the shaper that was a little uh clencher yeah yeah john that was also a learning experience <laughs> yeah yeah right that yeah that was something new so john peters is going to come by tomorrow and and shoot a little video we're going to talk about the flush trimming there and the yeah and we might talk about the planer maybe yeah so um the one of the things you touched on is that that doesn't ever go away the over your head, so to speak. I mean, that's part of who we are and how we operate. Yeah, I was going to say, there's plenty of guys that don't do it the way that we do, where, yeah. you know, they just do the same old thing day in and, di- and uh, day out. But, um, you know, if you want to, A, get better at what you do, and B, enjoy coming to work mm-hmm. every day, then you have to be introducing these new ways to do things, new techniques, right. new new tools, all that stuff. And. It's not to say that we don't repeat certain stylistic cues and everything, but even something simple like these walnut units, the construction techniques we are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used a lot of dominoes, and they made these web frames. But the thing we didn't know until it was all put together is if it would be strong enough, if it would right. hold itself up, because... It's there's a lot of negative space in this design. That's what the client wanted. Yeah, it's so, about ninety percent negative space. Right. There are no solid walls. There's no back. There's no top. There's no bottom, and it's going to hold glass shelves. Um, and it's all these uh, irregular heights and widths. Um, so we knew we could build it. We just didn't know what would be the result at the end. Right. Uh, and they came out surprisingly stiff and strong. Mm-hmm. We were like, wow, this is <laughs> this worked. <laughs> yeah, the, those front 
um, <laughs> those front middle sections, that front corner is completely yeah. Yeah, unsupported. Not yeah. unsupported, but it's just there's no there's there. no lateral, yeah. Yeah. Uh, nothing to stop it from moving laterally. So that worked out. But again, we had no idea. And this job was on the books for two months. We just found out yesterday that it worked. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you got to backtrack. Right. Right. So, I mean, these Chase lounges were supposed to be delivered six weeks ago. Yeah. You know, luckily we have, uh, you know, there's not a tight delivery deadline because you know this building is totally held up anyway with all with covid and right um you know all the delays associated with that so um, they're not looking for these chairs no no i mean it's probably getting towards a time where they're ready to to accept them yeah um so we had that's more luckily we had deadline. the time yeah. yeah and you know we we've worked on multiple jobs <laughs> at the same time so yeah as we we uh, licked our wounds and went back yeah. to another job we said all right and then the monday will come all right what are we going to do with these chase lounges this week and yeah. for for about a month every week we were embarking on a new strategy yeah um but, but you know all that time it's going to pay dividends later on because oh yeah we hey. know what's possible and what's not and what not to do. So you, sometimes you have to learn by failure. That's it. I mean, we look at these as um, you know increasing the value of our of our knowledge base mm-hmm. and and eventually of the company as yep. we as we grow and expand. So that's what we're going to encourage you to do. Yep. Um, don't think of it as uh, you know being in over your head. At, in a negative way, mm-hmm. look at it as expanding your horizons there. Yeah, and something I, I thought of when I was writing this down this morning was, um, you know, like whenever I have to do something that I haven't done before, like when I built that curved hood at Tom's, mm-hmm. like I had never built a curved hood before. So that I thing just came out great. Leading up to that, I just immersed myself in as much information yeah. on that as I could. So right. start Googling. How to build a curved hood, YouTube, how to build a curved hood, building a curved hood, uh, you know, and just and take in as much information as you can. And, you know, you're going to be able to piece it together from you might have to watch three dozen different yeah. things. Or, YouTube's or read. amazing that way, too. Yeah. Um, you know, reach out to people on Instagram. If you got a question that we can answer, hit us up, you know, because... Yeah. You, you got to learn somehow. Right. You don't always want to just look at the successes like on Instagram, it's all this amazing stuff in, uh, you know, forward. What do you call that? Fast forward. Yeah. yeah. You know, people doing stuff. You don't see the the process to, yep. to get to that point, which is usually a bunch of failures and mm-hmm. learning and, and figuring out. Yeah. Um, we're constantly doing new stuff. Uh, so we have to figure it out each job. Uh, and that's exciting for us. Mm hmm. All right, let's go number two. Yeah. Uh, when gluing, do you guys glue size the joint? Meaning, do you squirt glue in the joint, like on a miter fold, fold the joint, then open it back up let the glue uh, to let the glue enter into the pores, then add a little more glue and clamp it up? Wow, that was hard to explain. <laughs> I knew what he meant. <laughs> Andy from Andy C. Makes on Instagram. Um, check out Andy's Instagram because he, he makes some... Really interesting stuff. Andy's like a he does millwork 
as his day job, but then he does like all kinds of cool carvings and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I would say it depends on what we're gluing up. I do that on stuff like the feet for this cherry cabinet. Uh, I'm always motioning to things off camera that, and I'm expecting people to know what the hell I'm talking about. That thing over there. Yeah, it has these mitered bracket feet. So like when I do stuff like that, where it's a miter, first of all, I always try and I like call it double gluing, double glue a, a miter so that it's a really strong joint because yeah. it's naturally a weak joint, um, like a panel glue up. We're not going to do it on that because, you know, you're going to get your squeeze out and it's going to be good edge grain to edge grain. I tend to do it with any type of end grain, whether both sides are end grain or one side is end grain. Um, do it in situations like that. Yeah, that's pretty much shop routine. Yeah, we don't really miter fold anything. But miters will be a little bit more conscious of spreading that glue in with a brush on both sides yep. and packing it in. Yeah, I really push it in with my finger. Because you can, like, when I was a trim carpenter, I would double glue on my miters. You can you can cover the entire joint with glue where you can't even see the wood. Mm-hmm. And you come back in 60 seconds, yeah. and the glue's gone. It all gets sucked down into the pores of the wood. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty conscious of trying to get the right amount of squeeze out. Yeah. You know, I don't want to starve the joint, but I don't want to flood the joint either on, like, the regular kind of glue-ups. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, yeah. I think uh, trial and error, too, goes a long way. We're always testing the glue joints when we, like, glue up a panel and then we cut it up to size and we'll smack those glue oh, yeah. joints. Yeah, every time. <laughs> we want to see where it's going to break. Yep. Uh, so that's uh, that's about it, mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder what Andy does. I'm going to guess he glue sizes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard that expression until I started working at Tom's glue size. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you can glue size too. Like it was, which is what we did over there. Um, like edges of MDF with mm-hmm. a mixture of water and glue right. to harden things up. And I know you can do that too on, you know, on wood to, right. You pre-treat the, the edges with a glue sizing solution to get them nice and hard. Yeah. Yeah. This next question is pretty interesting. Yeah, something we've talked about. Yeah. Have you guys ever considered opening a storefront? Pros and cons of actually having a store. That's from Luke Brown's Custom Craft on Instagram. Yeah, we've talked about it. Yeah. Uh, First of all, real estate in New Jersey, whether it's purchase, rental, anything at all, and Jeff's uh, just gone through it uh, firsthand, is so expensive, it's prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the main, it'd be number one question. All right, yeah, let's get a storefront. We'll we'll hire somebody to to sit there and we'll you know make a bunch of pieces on spec, and that'll really be a great way to get tie ourselves up for a year. <laughs> yeah, our our word out and where people can touch the stuff and see it and, yeah. and really experience what it's like to you know work with a, a, you know, a handmade piece of furniture. We'd never be able to afford it. We'd have to make twice as much stuff in our shop just to be able to pay for the rent. Yeah. And to even, how are we going to get anything? How are we going to build anything on spec when we're busy building (laughs) things on commission? We're we're already. uh, So it would be a huge uh, equation to like, 
we'd have to expand. We'd have to have a bigger shop because we're sort of at capacity here in our little shop. Yeah. Um, then we'd have to have a whole other staff of production uh, staff and then another uh, one or two people to work the storefront. Uh, it sounds great, but it's just not feasible for us as a, as small as we are and in our location. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, you really have to have a, a well-known name mm-hmm. to benefit from a storefront. Uh, or not to benefit, to make uh, opening a storefront feasible. Like if we were, you know, places like Moser that we talk about all the time, um, they have brick and mortar stores. They got them all over the country because people know people that buy nice are in the market for, you know, nice handmade furniture or whatever you want to call that. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly handmade, the Moser stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They do a, a really nice job yeah. of mixing that. Um People who are in the market for that kind of stuff know about Moser. So they go mm-hmm. to the Moser showroom. Um, if you don't know Green Street Joinery, you're not just going to stumble in from the street into this. Yeah, you'd have to have like a really prime location. Like, let's say. Even then, you right. you need a targeted audience because, yeah. you know, Joe Schmo isn't going to come in and spend $15,000 on a no. piece of casework. You'll get the random person strolling down. Like if it's let's say Broadway or whatever in Red Bank or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there's a lot of foot traffic on that street. So we have a couple of things in the window. We'll get random people walking in the store. Um, but Bunch it's a tire kickers. Yeah. Yeah. And then why is this? Why is this? So why much? is this table $20,000? <laughs> yeah. That's well, I can get one in fortune off. Yeah. Yeah. So boy, you'd have to have some thick skin to be the, the worker at the store. Yeah. Because you can, I mean, I could only imagine the insults and things like that. Yeah. I mean, rents are, you're talking three grand probably yeah, a month. Um, plus, you know, all the overhead involved with payroll and you got to pay the person to be there. And, you know, then you got to pay someone ourselves to create the inventory to mm-hmm. be inside the store. Yeah. Um, so it's easier for us. Our storefront is Instagram. Yeah. You want to see what we can make? You go there, see what we've built, and then you want something, we'll make it for you. Yeah. I think we, uh, the audience reach might not, um, be as big a factor as someone really getting hands on the furniture. Oh yeah. That would be the big draw. Right. Um, but I don't know, maybe one day something will, will, uh, change. Right now, it's just <laughs> me and Jeff behind the house in yeah. the shop. <laughs> yep. So, uh, unless there's somebody out there listening, you know, that uh, has some space, good location, they want to, you know, money. yeah, they want to maybe just uh, lend it to us for a year or two, see what we could do with it. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to start building stuff on spec. <clears throat> That's yeah. the dream, you know, yeah. to build what we want to build. Right. And then people just buy it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it takes time to get to that point, And, you know, most people never get to that point. Yeah. All right. You want to read the next question? Yeah. From our buddy Jordan, Jack Pallet on Instagram. Variable speed sanders. How often do you adjust the speed or is it set on high speed for maximum? Or, or sorry, is it set on high for maximum sanding speed or slowed down for higher grits? 
We're all about the maximum speed. Yeah, I think. just keep that thing cranked to six. <laughs> if there was a seven or eight, it'd be on it. Yeah. Uh, even the Rotex, that thing stays on high, high, high. Yeah. Um, sanding is, as everybody knows, everybody who's sanded knows it's, you know, it's a, something you have to do. You have to do it well to get the, the job finished, right? Yeah. But I don't know if anybody really enjoys it. I mean, today we both had to get in our little zones and just just do it. Yeah, it was like an hour apiece to sand those because mm-hmm. yeah. it's an inside curve and an outside curve. Yeah. Mostly hand sanding. Yeah, that's. I started with using the combination, but sometimes just having the quiet yeah. is worth the extra work. To do it by hand. Yeah, and you're not going to roll an edge over with the right. by hand sanding. So, <laughs> number six, all the time, yep. 24-7. That's a, that's a festival uh, speed. Yeah. <laughs> Yours might go higher. Yeah, so we only have six speeds. Well, this is a loaded question from Jerry, one of our patrons, GA Woodshop on Instagram. Jerry's going to want to know, What's going on with the planer? He says, give us an update on the planer. Uh, the planer is uh, all set back up. So when we got it, it, you know, in these planers from infeed side over, you have your infeed roller. There's a chip breaker. Which is like this piece of steel, essentially. Right. Yeah, like same thing that you would have on your on your hand plane, just to reverse because, right. you know, you're feeding in a different direction. Um Infeed roller, chip breaker, cutter head, outfeed roller. So when we got the machine, the chip breaker was like, it never got set up. No. So it was like actually an eighth of an inch lower than the cutter head. <laughs> so we're trying to jam boards in. So I'm like, planer. why the hell are these boards? They're getting stuck. They're not feeding in. Must be the infeed roller. The, you know, the infeed roller is too high. So I had adjusted this thing all out of whack um, with a dial indicator that, you know, it was hundredths of an inch that was the readout on that thing. So got a new dial indicator, got everything back to book spec and, uh, it's running pretty good now. I had to raise the, the chip breaker actually after I adjusted it, came back down somehow. I I need to bring it back down because it actually, it helps keep the piece down to the bed. Yeah. So I'm getting a little bit of snipe right now. Um, so if I bring that back down, I had it at one point, there was no snipe, yeah, yeah. which I've I've never seen. There was literally no snipe on the board, front or back. So yeah, so the the planer was is for the most part it's working really well. Yeah, but it wasn't without a lot of effort on our part that we probably shouldn't have had to spend. Yeah, yeah, and you know I will say that I probably shouldn't have gone messing around with it. <laughs> you know, um, without reading the book. No, well, I did without a proper dial indicator and without, um, you know, the thing is the book was really missing any information on the chip breaker. Yeah, it didn't mention it at all. Yeah, which it said it was there. It didn't say anything about how to adjust it or anything. So uh, that's something that Oliver, we spoke to them. They're going to be, you know, creating an addendum for the, uh, uh, whatever you call that, manual. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a combination of, you know, their fault and our fault. It was so, a little frustrating, but yeah. oh, it was extremely frustrating. You got it all worked out. Yeah, so it's it's doing good now. There's yeah. a you know I guess just with this design, the head has like a little bit of deflection. Yeah, uh, because it is the the uh, 
cutter head that moves up and down. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I mean, it may be on the four post too, and I just never noticed, never noticed it, it because you know now we're like scrutinizing the hell out of this thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, they're working pretty good. Yeah, yeah. All right, so there you go, Jerry. There's our update. We didn't throw it away. <laughs> we felt like it was. <laughs> I'm realizing that I think I had a question that I missed on here. Yeah. You want me to read the next one while you search for it? I'll read it. I'll I'll, uh, I'll put it up on my phone. All right. I'm beginning to pick woodworking back up after taking shop in high school. I bought a DeWalt job site table saw last year. Man, look at all the typos I have in here. <laughs> last year. But now I really want a better saw. After hearing you talk about Oliver, I'm looking into their... Uh, 10040 10-inch hybrid table saw, which is better than a contractor saw, but not as good as a cabinet saw. Of course, I'd also like a saw stop, but it would be about twice as much. Any recommendations on contractor versus cabinet saw for those of us who probably don't need the highest level saw? That's from Parker. He's P. Haynes on Instagram. Yeah. Well, um, what I would look at, Parker, the um, a lot of the saws that are contractor saws and um, like uh, those hybrid saws, they call them are similar on the inside where they just, the, the hybrid saw has like a square uh, hybrid saw is like a contractor saw with a cabinet saw base basically. Right. Cause one of the big differences is the contractor saw the motor suspended uh, on this frame where the belt is, sort of kept tight by the weight of the motor. Right. And uh, a cabinet saw, the the motor's on this trunnion. So it's really a completely different um, mechanical setup. It's a lot more solid and stable. Uh, and that's really the, the big advantage to, to that, those two saws, I think. Yeah, you so know, I just the, pulled the up the... contractor versus the cabinet. I pulled up the... Um the Oliver? Yeah. Um, it's not... This is a direct drive saw. Direct drive? Yeah. Does it say direct drive? That's what it looks like. That's unusual. Yeah. But it says probably V-belt. Oh. I mean, the contractor saws and the um, cabinet saws both have belts. Yeah, it's yeah. just that the you know the way the motor is is fastened. Yeah, I mean, this is the motor and oh yeah, it look kind of looks like the motor is right behind the arbor there. Yep. So that looks like the motor. It's not hanging like on a contractor. Yeah, it so. almost looks like it goes right right to the arbor. Mm-hmm. So, I think you would agree with me that if you can afford a, a saw where the motor's mounted on a trunnion, like mm-hmm. a cabinet saw, a typical cabinet saw, that'd be the way to go. Um, yeah, let's see. This is a one and three quarter horsepower. It's only 266 pounds. Um, what would you compare it to? I mean, it's probably the the Oliver and the Laguna stuff are very similar. So this is probably like one of the lower end Lagunas. Doesn't have Oliver doesn't 
have a lot of their prices when they're out of stock. They the price doesn't show on their website. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me see if I can find. You know, I'm wondering where you're located, Parker, because the the first saw that comes to mind would be a unisaw. Yeah, I mean that's like what we always recommend. Um, that you can get used. So it's about a sixteen hundred dollar saw. Yeah, you if you're if you're you know lucky and um, I would say just. A, a little bit lucky because there are a lot of them out there and you're near an auction, especially you can pick up a Unisaw for $500 and sometimes less. Um, you can get one that's three horsepower, that's single phase yep. and is a machine that will serve you, you know, forever if you want it. I mean, it's, it's not the best saw. We have one here in the shop, but it's, it's much better than, most yeah 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 uh another thing he said was that you know he travels a lot or he uh moves a lot for work oh so he doesn't want something that's too heavy i mean oh yeah the unisaw 300 versus four you know 400 they're they're hard to move those saws yeah i mean i'm sure moving this and moving that like you need a hand truck either way so it's probably not much different um but i'd say like if you're looking for something that's 110 and, uh, you know, has a decent cut quality. This doesn't look too bad. I mean, yeah. we can't speak to it personally. We haven't used it or seen it or, uh, you know, looked into it prior to this. But, you know, looking at the stats and the, the pictures. In general, our experience with Oliver is there. They have two kind of categories of tools. Yeah, and, like, yeah mo- like most brands. Right, where there's the... Sort of like the the heavy duty stuff, and then there's more of the consumer stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it look like? Does this look like one of their consumer uh, tools or? Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's definitely not like a cast iron base. Mm-hmm. It's a you know a sheet metal base, and so like here's their here's their Oliver has a 16 inch table saw. Here's their 10 inch like I'm cabinet saw. Their 10-inch cabinet saw mm-hmm. weighs 480 pounds. Okay. This saw weighs 266 pounds. So okay. it's almost double the weight. Yeah. Is some of that in the top? Does it look like uh, the wings, cast iron? I mean, the base is... It, yeah. The base looks just like oh, that. Oh, just okay. like the shaper. Yeah. That, that, thing was, that The shaper was almost 700 pounds. It was 660 pounds, I think. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like, you know, the motor mount and everything looks more robust on this. Um, but, again, this is, let's see. They talk about price there. Oliver 4016. I mean, we love our saw stop stuff. It's, we don't think, you know, it's overpriced. Yeah, this is a 3,000. It's twice the price, this saw. But it's five horsepower, 220. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. I don't know if he's got 220, but single phase, definitely. Yeah. Um, Yeah, sorry we couldn't be more help, Parker, but I'd say, uh, you know, a hybrid saw is going to be better than a contractor saw. Yeah. Not going to be as good as a cabinet saw, but... A better dust collection. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an important issue, too. And something like this Oliver, like it clearly, the motor mount is better than a contractor saw. 
you know, contractor saw that motor's hanging in the front of the yeah yeah with a big long belt. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of vibration. Yeah. Um, I had a contractor saw a hundred years ago. I even with the V belt, which they say you know reduces vibration, it's it's still you know bumping and grinding. This Oliver 16 inch table saw. Yeah. 10 horsepower. Yeah. Uh, it weighs 986 pounds. <laughs> what do you need a 16 inch table saw for? Cutting some tall stuff. It'll take an inch and a half dado. <laughs> I don't want my hands near that saw. Cut five and a half inch high. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I only want that saw if we have somebody else to run it. <laughs> oh, I'll cut on there. <laughs> so, I mean, we weren't completely uh, no help. No. Yeah. Well, well so what? let's summarize what our opinions are. We we think a cabinet saw is definitely the way to go. Yeah. Um, if you want best cut quality, buy a used cabinet saw. Mm-hmm. If you want something new, then get a hybrid saw. Yeah, yeah. I know Delta makes a hybrid saw too. Yeah. I mean, uh, do you, is there, what would you say is the biggest difference between a job site saw and a contractor saw? If you have your job site saw set up, you know, in a table, so it's like at the right height and everything. Yeah. I mean, is there going to be that big of a difference? Uh... Yeah, I mean, typically the motors are very small on those job site mm-hmm. saws, and everything is plastic, basically. Yeah, and the fence, and yeah, yeah. Look for something like a Beismeyer style fence, mm-hmm. unless you're getting the Unisaw. Yep. Um, the Unisaw style fence. Well, is, yeah, they don't even make that anymore. They don't. No, no they have Beismeyer style now. <laughs> oh, I like that fence. Yeah, I had the choice when I bought mine. You know, whether I could get the Beismeyer or the. There's a uh, the um. The Harvey has a high-low like that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know why I got the high-low fence? Because Norm had it. It's a good reason. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know the difference yeah. myself. You know, I, It is nice for ripping some um, stuff. And you do get used to it. I mm-hmm. used to keep it on the low setting all the time because you could really get your hand in there off yeah, to the side. Yeah, somebody was always moving it. Yeah. <laughs> that mantle maker. <laughs> yeah. He loved putting his fingers near that blade. Yeah. And look what it got him. Yeah. <laughs> All dicky nine fingers. Yeah. <laughs> well, Parker, if you have a, if you can develop now a more specific question for us from what the information we gave you, yeah. we'll try our best to uh, answer it. Yeah. And we could, we could hook you up with an auction website where if you're like in Pennsylvania, they're all over the place yeah, out there. Yeah. If you're in the Midwest, there's probably right. a freaking hundred of them. Yeah. What's this next question have to say? How often, if ever, do you ship pieces? What's your go-to process on creating and shipping? Cheers. From Low Country Modern on Instagram. Um, well, as Green Street, we've only shipped the one, the yeah. sauce wall. I know yeah. you've you've had something freighted before. Yeah. Um, in terms of process, you can go online and, excuse me, get a quote for freight, um, and just pick whatever freight company you want to use, yeah. whether it's, uh, Saya or, um, 
the hell was the one that delivered the uh, the Oliver stuff? Oh, ABF, mm-hmm. um, UPS. There's UPS freight, FedEx freight. Yeah. So you go on. You can pick whichever one you want. It'll give you all the prices, sorted by lowest to highest, whatever. And then for the crate, I mean, just just crate it up. Just yeah. Pack it nice for for sauce. We built a uh, a case out of three quarter inch plywood. Yeah. And uh, set it on a couple of pallets. Yep. And then forklift, just put it in the truck. Yeah, I mean, those things are, they're going in and out of 18 wheelers. So there's not a whole lot of potential damage, mm-hmm. especially with three quarter finished, like a, you know, this is pre fin ply. Yeah. Um, it's, which is pretty tough. Yeah. The, <laughs> the driver thought the case was goes, the piece. Oh, so this thing, like, can't get scratched. We're like, no, this is the crate. <laughs> it's inside of there. Yes. What we built inside this. Yeah. No, we're I guess shipping I, this I don't know if box. that was a compliment. Or <laughs> yeah. We just didn't know. Um, yeah, in the past, I've done both uh, freight. I'll say both. One was like the, the you know, over-the-road guys. Yeah. And I actually, to reduce the cost, because I don't have a forklift here, I put it in my truck and drove it to, there's that one down in Eatontown. Yep. There's a place and dropped it off there. And I also did one of those things like they have the TV shows where you go online. Somebody and, bids. Yeah, and they bid. And some guy came by in this like big van and I sent a couple of Adirondack chairs down to Virginia or Maryland, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Um, but it, for the most part, we don't ship things because it, we have a small local business, we'll call it. Yeah, I mean, we're not opposed to it. Just no, hasn't really happened. Yeah, there's people we. I mean, I suppose if somebody wanted something that they saw uh, on Instagram that we'd done and they were comfortable purchasing it sight unseen, well, I guess that's kind of how most of the things are bought. As long as their money's green. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll pack it up and ship it. Um, I was now where's Loco? Uh, Where's he um, located? Um, I want to say. I mean, low country Tennessee? usually like that's like in the Carolinas when you talk about cuisine, right? It says Charleston lover, so there maybe Charleston. Go. I mean, yeah, I don't know why I said Tennessee, why I thought that. But uh, yeah, I wonder Charleston. what his story is if he's shipping stuff. Let us know. Yeah. Charleston's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Jeff, this next question's for you. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, I heard you mention that you had slash have back issues. I have some as well. Do you use a specific bag set or apron on install that helps it all? It's from Adam, built by AT on Instagram. Um, I have acute back problems, so my back doesn't... I don't have a... I don't have back problems per se, but I occasionally have problems with my back, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you like a big belt. Yeah. Uh, so for install, I wear, you know, a three-inch Occidental Ranger belt. Yeah. But, you know, I forget what which bags I have on there. But um, I will wear an apron on install sometimes, depending on what we're doing. Like if, if we're going out and it's a simple install, I might just pack my apron because... Um, I don't want to drag my belt out of my truck. 
but in terms of that and my back, they're not really related, yeah. I'd say. Um, I'd say posture and, you know, the working conditions have the most effect on your back. Today I'm hunched over sanding, <laughs> so my back's probably going to hurt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if you, you can avoid get- those things. Yeah. You know, we were talking the other day about uh, why the benches are the height they are when yeah. they seem a little low. Yeah, maybe they maybe they could be a couple of inches higher. And we worked at a place with some real low benches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really low. There was a mutiny though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we worked in this place and all the benches what were they 30 inches? Yeah. I, don't I can't know. remember cuz I raised mine about 6 inches. And because I, I just refused to work at that height. Yeah. And I said that I don't care. I, it's because it was, you know, for putting together cabinets, which then. Right. Whatever. Right. They were all, you know, for, for like working on. Assembling uh, yes. the cabinet. Wasn't like a bench height. Yeah. So um, your back hasn't been bothering you too much. It may be, no. Maybe tomorrow. And you've been. Doing a lot of reno on the house and oh god yeah so now my hand hurts and my knees yeah we're a mess yeah all right I wonder uh wonder what his uh, specific problems are if they're job related yeah those back issues man are brutal yeah they're tough to get over yeah I remember when I was younger my back used to hurt me all the time and then I found out it was because I was always sleeping on my stomach and being a young, poor musician, my bed was a futon with like a camel dip in the middle, like one of those, no, like a glue factory yeah. horse. Yeah, so yeah. turns out I'm sleeping, you know, in this awful position. <laughs> and once I got a real bed, my back problems went away. Yeah, I wake up like once in the middle of the night and my yeah. back hurts and I just roll over and then I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Because it gets a little worn out on yeah. that one side. All right. If a client asked for floating shelves, would you make them? Of course we would. <laughs> Every, only if they pay. Right. But this is, here you go. Every time I get asked to make floating shelves and quote them, the clients are astounded at the price and don't go for them. Thinking of just saying I don't do them. Thoughts? Rob Vincep on Instagram. Well, Rob, I'd say don't box yourself out of doing them mm-hmm. if someone's going to pay. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't create a blanket, uh, you know, policy like that. But just you've quoted them enough times now where you know how much it costs. So mm-hmm. when the conversation comes up, yeah, I do floating shelves that you know start at six hundred dollars a piece. Yeah. Something like that. Right. That I mean, we get that all the time on everything. Um, not every customer, but. And we've sold uh, one, two, three, four, five, at least. Five. We did them somewhere else, didn't we? Yeah. Mendelssohn, Lori. Is that uh, it? No. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Mantle. Did Mantle? Uh, mm, did we do those? No. no, we didn't. Yeah. Were we supposed to do those? <laughs> Who's talking about it? Hey, it's tax season. Who's got you? These clients got some money now. That's right. We got to start hitting up some of these old clients. Speaking of which, I just got my 2019 tax refund. <laughs> hey, cheers. <laughs> no time. Thanks a lot, but, IRS. Yeah, Jeff's making a good point. You kind of know 
um, the the price range. So it's not a big investment in time. If, if it comes up, say, yeah, this is what it's going to be. Yeah, like we use the uh, shelfology brackets. We know they cost anywhere between 80 to 120 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to use, if you're using eight quarter, it's going to be, uh, and it's a six inch deep or whatever, we'll call it a foot deep, however, however many board feet. It takes about mm-hmm. four hours to make, and it takes, you know, depending on how many you're installing, a day to install right. four of them. Right. We know some people do do things a different way. Yeah, we build them out of solid wood. Yeah. <laughs> Not quarter inch plywood. Yeah. They, we If somebody looks... For like a slab style shelf, we give them a slab of wood with right, the, yeah. the appropriate holes drilled in the back to slide onto the steel yeah. hangers. Rather than take two pieces of quarter inch plywood and put and ribs in between and then <clears throat> put a piece of three quarter on the front and the sides and try and miter it and make it tight. And then you have a seam and you got perpendicular grain on the ends. Right, so what we have, and then it, it takes you a day to make a couple of them. Is is fast. It's it's the real thing, uh, and it's I think it's probably cheaper to make it that way. Yeah, I mean, even if it wasn't, it's just better. Right. It's uh, not. Well, yeah, that's you know, you go like this on those shelves, <laughs> and you hear it. sounds like a hollow core door because that's what yeah, it is. It sounds like this. Because it's just two pieces of quarter-inch plywood with air in the middle. Right. So um, we've done them. People do balk at the price because they think, you know, they go, well, I can buy these melamine shelves at the Home Depot and put them on these standards and brackets, and that's going to cost me $49. Surely I could get myself a floating shelf for for $250. Yeah, yeah, that's no problem. Yeah. But that's our reality anyway, so... Yeah. You know, everybody is... You know, they all fall over when they hear the price, <laughs> so... And it's curious. I, I always want to say, but, you know, I try not to be rude. Well, how much do you make per hour? How yeah. much is your time worth? And there's a there's a new clothing company out of Canada called Troll, and they have some... Uh, good sayings that they're promoting on their sweatshirts and t-shirts. One is... Um, like inspirational quotes? <laughs> no, more like fuck you quotes. <laughs> Pardon my language. It's like uh, dirty hands, clean, clean money. money. Yeah, I've seen that. But the other one is, you know, don't just pay me for my time, pay me for my expertise. Yeah. And as tradesmen, sometimes... Talking about like the thirteen thousand uh, dollar tooth surgery that they just that's yes. oh my god, yeah exactly <laughs> that's a little crazy. Yeah, it's just we're gonna you're gonna be in and out thirteen grand. Yeah, well we'll touch on that, but um, as tradesmen we're constantly fighting this image that our time and experience isn't worth something. Yeah, we're um, just hourly grunt workers. Yeah, we're just guys with a hammer and a yeah. tape measure. What do you mean you charge $55 an hour? Right. Well, how much How much do you earn? Yeah. Um, I could do it if I just had the time. Yeah. Well, I could do your job, and I you know, could yeah. probably do it and my job. Well, you make phone calls all day? Yeah. <laughs> I got a phone. <sighs> Don't get us started. So, yeah, I, I went to the dentist this morning for... No, I went yesterday... At lunchtime, 
for a consultation with the surgeon because I had this root canal that was done in uh, 1981. Man, it wasn't even a glimmer in my daddy's eye. Yeah. So I was I was a broke kid, and I had this toothache. So what did I do? I went to the dental college where it was free. Guinea pig. <laughs> That's right. This is what you do when you when you're poor. What a deal! <laughs> you mean they got no experience? No, it, it didn't matter. <laughs> um, well, they said, "Oh, you're going to need a root canal." And I said, "Okay." Well, that was the beginning of a 40-year problem. You probably didn't even need a root canal. They just yeah. needed someone to do a root canal exactly. on. Exactly. They're like, um, yeah, we got to get a root canal done. Oh, this guy looks like he's... So, yeah, each, every, like, five years, I'd find myself back at the dentist, and this one tooth was always the problem. And uh, eventually it, it degenerated to where there was decay and a couple of other teeth were affected, the adjoining teeth. And I wound up with, uh, what is it, a bridge where they grind off the other teeth and put yeah, this I thing guess. on top? Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's what happened. And so it now this bridge is failing. So the guy who did it, he's retired. And I go to the dentist and he goes, oh, yeah, just matter of factly. Yeah, these things fail, you know, because they're made of there's cement in there. And I'm under the impression that this is a lifetime thing. Nobody told me this was going to be like a there was an expiration date yeah, yeah. on my bridge. So he goes, now we're going to, because of these the way these teeth were already ground down, we're going to have to give you implants. I'm like, well, what's that? He's like, well, we got to do this, that, and the other thing. And the first, I said, well, how long does this take? He says, well, the first, operation will take about an hour maybe an hour and a half and then you got to come back in about four months yeah we're gonna pull your three teeth out yeah and then that's an hour and a half so this is what this is degenerated to and then you got to let that heal and then we'll give you like these permanent fake teeth Mm -hmm. we'll screw in there so i i leave there and and the lady says well i almost got to figure out what your uh, participation would be. You like how they word that, yeah. right? What's your participation in this? And I have insurance. I have pretty good insurance through my wife, who was a New York City school teacher. So, right? Yeah, I mean, those, I mean that's, any dental insurance is good. I don't have dental. Yeah. So that I'm thinking that's going to be all right. <laughs> so the lady calls me today at and tells me, what my uh, my participation, including my insurance, was going to be. It was $13,000. <laughs> like, yeah, your insurance will pay for the balloon we give you at the end. The st- I, we'll give you a sticker. I said, listen, I'm a blue-collar guy. I said, that's like buying a new car around here. Yeah. So you're going to have to reach into your bag of tricks and come up with some alternatives. That's three new saw stops. <laughs> That's right. I said, because I'm not spending that. Even if I had $13,000, i am not giving it to you. I said, I'll let that tooth fall out. Yeah, then you did half the work. That's right. Half the work's taking them out. <laughs> so You drink about three or four of these, pull that sucker right out. That's right. I, I'll just start drinking a shot of bourbon every morning. 
Um, and so I'm guessing that guy's getting paid for his ex- expertise. Oh, yeah. And not just his time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, <laughs> that was a little bit of a divergence. Yeah, and, you know, your insurance considers that cosmetic. Right. So, so they, it's the same thing. Like, all right, these shelves are cosmetic. You want them, you got to pay up. That's right. You don't need these shelves, but if you want them, okay, they're a 1000 bucks a piece or whatever it costs. Right, right. Whatever it Whatever your time is worth and however much time you spend. Yeah, I mean, when we price out floating shells, I'm always shocked at what they really... Yeah. Like, what it comes out to. Because it's it's work. It's we work. did two, two in cherry, and it was, like, almost 1500 bucks. Yeah. Like, and that was, like, giving them away. Yeah. That was to the lady from the liquor store, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 But they were nice. I mean, they're super nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the install is a killer. It's a half a day, no matter what. Right, you got to go there. There's there's never any studs. You got to set them yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, like the brackets we use don't. They're not on sixteen, so you gotta. Mm-hmm. You could hit a stud somewhere, maybe, or you know. Right. It also depends on the length of the shelf. Yes, yeah. thirty thirty eight inches. You might and get you one in the one middle. Stud yeah. Or something. Yeah. So then you're putting in anchors and you got to, you know, scribe it to the yeah. wall. Or there's a pipe in the wall. Yeah. Yeah, there's always something. Right? We Even got another, that- uh, another question from Mandy here. Andy C. makes on Instagram. All right. Splinters. How do you <laughs> remove? Tweezers, razor blade, or leave it to work its way out? Oh, man. All of the above, right? Yeah. See, I'm a, I, tweezers are my first uh, option. And then I go right, straight razor blade. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I never leave it to work its way out. Yeah, I'm gonna say. Well, we have those like uh, super needle nosy tweezers. No, no, you got to see the ones I have. Oh yeah, those are like, like blunt compared to oh. the ones I have. The ones I have are literally like a pin on the end. Oh, I gotta check those out. Yeah, yeah. I have to bring them in. Yeah, I mean, if if I look at my hands on any given day, there's probably about four or five. I really don't get them. I wear gloves. Yeah. So I'm a non-glove wearer, and I always have several splinters that are beneath the skin that uh, I either broke off, um, and you just kind of have to get used to the idea of them being there. And um, eventually, they'll get to the point where I know if I push on it, it'll come shooting out. I guess that's a little bit of an infection. If in I there. can feel it in there and I know it's there, I have to get it out. I don't. I can't leave you it. You can't. Yeah. yeah no. I'll, I'll. I'll literally. I'll take a razor blade and cut it out. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm. I guess I'm just so immune to the idea of it now that. Yeah. I mean, look. You can see four splinters in my, in my left hand. Got to get you a pair of gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and I have pretty rough skin too. I mean, it's so it takes a it takes a bit for a splinter to get through my hand. Yeah, that would sharp. <laughs> that would be a good uh, like a poll question. Yeah, you know what? Pe- what's people's go to for the splinters? All right, I think we had a question similar to this early on in our careers yeah. as, as podcasters. Yeah, actually, it was. Uh, wasn't that long ago. Ah. Uh, it's from Nicholas N. Strubhart on Instagram. What is a dream project you want to build? Wow. Well, if anybody can remember my, my dream project still, and it's modest, and I, so I think I'll get to it, is some Morris furniture. Mm. 
some more style furniture. Yeah. You know, I'll probably give it my own bit of design influence, but pretty traditional. I, w- I want to do it. I want to build one of those recliners with the pegs. Yeah. Maybe a settee, maybe a sofa. Um, I do like those more style table. couches. I, I just, for whatever reason, that's that's really it for mm-hmm. me right now. Yeah, I'll go back to my answer the first time we got like a question like this, which is to curate like an entire home. Yeah. To do, um, <laughs> you know, everything from the kitchen to the furniture, uh, built-ins, all that stuff. Frank Lloyd Wright yeah. thing. Yeah, that, I mean, of course, that... I used to think like that, but you see, I don't think I have enough time left. <laughs> you have to speed up. Well, I used to want to build the house too. Yeah. You know, I, I went up to Maine that summer and I learned how to do some timber framing. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is how naive I was. It, not that it's impossible, but I was going to build my timber frame house you know you know the timber frame part in of your it, garage in brooklyn and label all the parts and then you know once i got my piece of property i was gonna you know assemble a crew and go up and assemble it and it's it's not far from how they do it like no, how yeah, companies yeah. do it yeah oh yeah um but uh, that that was my dream to and then follow through with yours, you know, to, to do the whole thing. I like that idea, but, like, the whole idea of a timber frame house just doesn't really, I don't know, it just yeah. doesn't really do it for me. It yeah. just seems like so much wasted effort. <laughs> you know? Like, I, I want sheetrock inside my house. To, it's well, you so, can put sheetrock. I know, but then why why not just stick frame it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure people ask ask that question kind of about us, yeah. you know? What, yeah, that's you true. You know, we're... We're the masters of uh, uh, overwork here yeah. and overdoing it. Yeah, like I'd like to even, like you said, like design the house itself mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I come from a, a background of working for custom builders. So I've worked on a lot of houses and built them from a hole in the ground. Yeah, um, you've done that. From, yeah, from for the, other people. Laying out the foundation all the way to the to the punch list. So I've worked yeah. on every phase of the job. Um, so I know about, you know, architecture and how to lay out a house and stuff like that. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that I'm a, I'm well written in it, but I know enough where, um, I could definitely, you know, enough to be dangerous. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And most of these jackasses out here don't know anyway. That's the thing. When you see what people who are paid to do this, who have like spent their professional lives doing something, you go, I'm already better at this than, than they are. And that's not, overstating our abilities it's just most people don't care they don't put their heart into it yeah it's just a job Mm -hmm. instead of a you know a uh, craft yeah there you go that's a great way to put it so these next two questions you see i they kind of got lumped oh second to last got lumped in with this okay last one they kind of go together all right so i'll read this one up here if you could meet any famous woodworker who is alive or not or not with us today, who would it be? That's from CT Woodwork on Instagram. Yeah, then might as well read the next one. If if you had the opportunity to apprentice with one ah. of the many masters of woodworking, who would it be and why? That's from our buddy Lou. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I it's funny the other that they two were stuck together. That they both came in and they're yeah. it's, you know, they're very similar. I figured we you know, I mean my answer to one is probably gonna be the answer to the other. Maybe. What yeah. do you, what do you got? Well, I'm gonna say that uh I don't know too many uh, guys 
you know, I uh, by name, you know, there's the Franoff yeah. and, you know, Nakashima Stickly. and Stickley and the Green Brothers and stuff like that. Yeah, the Green uh, the Green Brothers didn't make anything, though, really. Yeah. The, uh, I, it was the Hall, Hall Brothers were the yeah. guys that were making everything. I would probably say, I don't know if I could classify him as a woodworker, and this is a close one for me. I, I might say Frank Lloyd Wright mm-hmm. um, because his thoughts on design and his eye and, and his aesthetic are just something I would want to be around and absorb and be immersed in. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you, I have that, I have a little box set of like postcards up there just yeah. filled with the stained glass I designs. I mean, this stuff is for me, the pinnacle yeah. of that that kind of design work. So I'd say Frank Lloyd Wright with Norm being a close second. <laughs> well, you already met Norm, yeah, so I, I know, but I didn't really have a chance to like yeah, you know, yeah. we sat around the campfire yeah. and we 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 did, you know, some work together. But I would love to You guys ex- tell ghost stories? Yeah, we did. Well, yeah, we told <laughs> stories, you know. I I actually did you know how he has that thing at the beginning of his shows where he says, and just remember, you know, the most important tool is to wear your... Se- I, I did the impression of him while we were all sitting around the campfire about wearing safety glasses. Everybody cracked up. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's got balls. <laughs> He's fanboying out. Yeah, of course. Norm, he deserves it. Yeah, yeah. He deserves the adulation. Yeah, like, you know, New Yankee Workshop was before my time. But, right. But I... Uh, I mean, I used to watch it a lot, like going back maybe 10 right. years ago. And the thing is, if you've seen, I'll just say it again. I've said it before. The reason I really admire Norm so much is because after meeting him, he's twice the man and twice the craftsman than he appears on TV, yeah, yeah. if that's he's even the, possible. The real deal. Underrated mm-hmm. is as far as that goes. So go ahead, Jeff. Um, if I could meet any famous woodworker, I'm ha- uh, you know, it's tough. I don't, I can't say I'd pick the same for each. Like maybe I would meet George Nakashima, mm-hmm. an apprentice under Gustav Stickley, mm-hmm. because I, I, like Nakashima is very alluring in in his style and his whole sort of outlook. But the woodworking is, I don't know. Then you look at like the conoid chairs and I'm backtracking <laughs> on one of them. It's, it's more simple and less like, I feel like there's less to learn um, because it's so simple. Whereas the stickly stuff with all the exposed joinery and stuff, there's a lot of, you know, there could be a lot to learn there. Um, I don't know. It's a tough question. But I like, I definitely like those two guys a lot. I like Krenov too, but... Yeah, I'd it, say Krenov and Nakashima are more closely related in terms right. of the design and the uh, philosophical they, yeah. kind of aspect, whereas Stickley is more because the philosophical aspect is removed because it's all about functionality, um, that that's more down to brass tacks about the mm-hmm. woodworking itself. Right. Yeah, I, I like Stickley's point of view, too, you know, that everybody should be able to have good furniture. Yeah. Um, and we kind of think that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are two interesting questions that are kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, it would be neat. 
It would, it would be a lot of fun. I, I mean, we have a lot of fun just meeting the guests that we have here in the shop on the podcast because yeah. uh, everybody's bringing something to the table in their own way. And yeah. we enjoy that aspect of it. We'll be getting back into that a little bit more in the weeks to come. Next week, yeah. going for vaccine number two. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had mine uh, a week ago. Yeah. Actually, oh, who the hell was it? Somebody asked me. See, I um got in this habit of, like, screenshotting everything and then putting it into a, a specific folder in my phone with questions. And somebody asked, let me see if I can find it here. Sorry for the delay. Yeah. I have a bunch of questions I missed. Well, I'll read this one for now. All right. Uh, just came into a pile of air-dried walnut that's been drying for 25 years. It's from wow. two trees, insect-free, half is rough sawn and straight slash wide. The other half looks like it was planed down years ago and it ended up warping really bad. Uh, looks to be about 400 board feet total, maybe 200-ish that would be usable. Any suggestions on how I can save some of the gnarly stuff or use it for something interesting? That's good-looking yeah. wood, and it would be a shame to waste, but milling it down would give me toothpicks. Uh, give them That's our from, address. Uh, Alan Schaefer, Al About It on Instagram. You can drop that stuff off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the gnarly stuff... It is what it is yeah, now. Yeah, you really don't have an option. It's either plane it down and make door panels out of it or... Shorter parts, yeah. you know, you can get more out of it. I don't know how I missed all these questions. Uh, you're getting the half-simers. Yeah. You got, we got anything else for Al with the walnut? Al, man, just, just drop it by. There's nothing you can do with that 213 wood. Wilson Avenue. Yeah, just bring it over. <laughs> We'll help you load it out of the truck, whatever yeah. you're going to bring it by. and uh, We'll make sure it ends up in a good home. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I had something on my mind there for a minute and a half, but... Uh, oh, actually, yeah, this one that I... This wasn't a question for the podcast. I was thinking this guy, Hunter, uh, which is my son's name, messaged us about something, but it wasn't a... Oh, it didn't have anything to do with the podcast. No. But I had someone ask about... Um, sorry, I can't. Oh, it was, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, it was Jafet Hernandez. He was asking, you know, uh, if we're going to be doing any kind of meetup soon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that by the time I'm getting my shot next week, that's going to be about your, uh, like party day for, yeah. um, as the, the medical professionals say you're you're immune immunity until we get this double mutant uh, <laughs> double mutant strain that just popped up in India. Yeah. Sometimes you ever get the feeling that we're never going to be rid of this this way of uh, life. Yeah. I mean, it's been over a year. I guess we're we've come to acclimate as best we can. Right. Um. But do you find yourself when you, if you're watching a TV show or something like that, and you see people just going up and shaking hands, does it seem a little bit weird? Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Or in like a movie or something, everybody's like on the subway. Yeah. You're like 
This is weird. Oh, man, I'm not getting on that germ tube. You're just like, man, people used to, we just used to all be congregated together with no Yeah, uh, look at that. On. Spring break. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, anyway, uh, we do want to do something, you know, relatively soon, maybe early summer. Yeah, I think that would be a good, like, pencil it in kind of thing. Of course, yeah. you have to take everything... Uh, step at a time yeah yeah um you know capacities are low right now and um even you know with vaccine it's there's still a risk of right you can still spread it as there's always going to be small risk yeah uh, um so obviously we'll take all that into account but yeah we'd like to do something a little get together that would be a lot of fun yeah put some faces to names and yeah all right so you want to go on to the last question we got? Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. I'm currently lofting out some full-size drawings for a big-ass built-in. I'm finding it annoying and tedious. <laughs> However, it's forcing me to get a lot of things down on paper I might normally do in my head, as well as presenting me with questions I didn't yet know I had. I'm wondering if you guys ever do this. What do you think the possible benefits are as well as drawbacks, if any. That's from Luke Cal Builds on Instagram. Well, I think we got that answer. Yeah, um, we don't typically uh, draw anything out full scale uh, unless it's like a singular part that needs to be made. Yeah, and has templated a, yeah, or something. a unique shape. Um, but we draw everything in 3D, either in SketchUp or Fusion, which is it's essentially the same thing. It's to yeah. scale. Um, so that helps us work through all those problems that you're talking about that you don't you don't necessarily think of when you're looking at something in 2D. Right. Um, so I'd say the benefits are huge. That, like you said, you're running into problems here and you're thinking mm -hmm. about them before you get to fabrication, which gives you time to a think about it and b come up with a solution. So yeah, um, sketching things out, whether it's um, pencil and paper, because that's the way we, we all did things back in the Stone Age, and when I started, I did everything 2D, pencil and paper. Mm -hmm. I did full working drawings that way. Um, 3D drawing programs change everything. If if you don't know them, invest the time, yep. invest a small amount of money. A lot of these things, uh, the basic there's free versions tool for sets, yeah, are free. Um, there's, as Jeff said, there's Fusion 360, which is a very full program. Mm -hmm. I mean, you it'll it does more than you know you probably ever need it to do. Yeah, they design like you can draw an entire F one car with all the moving parts, right? The engine and everything, everything. Yeah. hydraulics, and do material testing right. and you know stress test. And there's SketchUp, which is he's sort of like the he was the the main player in uh, for a long time, and now especially for makers, yeah, he's really trying to play catch up because now they have parametric design <laughs> and they changed their logo. <laughs> yes. They changed the logo to, to indicate that they're, they're trying to play with the big boys. Yeah. Um, but as far as just like building furniture, you know, SketchUp will, will work for you and um, it's easily attainable. It's free. It's everywhere. Um, and like I learned, there are people out there, if you have trouble learning with the YouTube videos and that sort of thing, you need somebody hands-on, 
I actually found somebody to teach it to me, mm-hmm. and we just did a swap of uh, labor. You could probably just go on like Skillshare, mm-hmm. Fiverr, something yeah. like that, and find yeah. somebody to just tutor you. Exactly. Uh, it's not out of your reach. Uh, and like you said, you, this is where you discover all the things that you need to do to build the project. Like we typically design from the outside and we say, okay, that looks right. Cause that's what we're selling to the client. We got to get the, the exterior dimensions. Yeah. They don't care how it's put together, <laughs> but then, they don't want to know how the sausage is made. Then they say, okay, now we got to go back and pull those things apart and go, how's this going to get put together? Right. And we have to factor in, What's feasible? What do we have tooling-wise? How long is it going to take us to do it this way instead of that way? Is this yep. way going to be strong? Can we, do we have to take it apart and put it back together? Um, so I, I think we hit on all of his, his points there. Yeah, I don't really think there's any drawback. None. Um, and if, as long as you're proficient, it doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, that uh, I was in the position that you're in where I did a lot of the figuring in my head when I worked by myself. But now there's Jeff and I. So we're sort of forced to explain things to one another. <laughs> and that brings us back to our drawings. Yeah. So we can't, I can't shortcut say, it. Oh, Rob, how big is this going to be? And you can't say, <laughs> oh, I'm going to figure that out. Yeah. No, I need to know now because we got to keep working. Exactly. Yeah. So the, we we have. I got to build the cabinet first before we know how big the doors are going to be. <laughs> right. And at first there was a little bit of that because it takes a while to adjust. But these are, it's all part of the process. And um, yeah, you kept uh, putting the numbers backwards, too. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I want length before width oh and don't God. call that depth. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the 23 and a half inch by 34 and a half inch, I'm not sure which one is which. Is that the side of the cabinet or the top? <laughs> but doesn't take much for us to digress, does it? No. Oh, man. So, Luke, go for it, man. Find yourself some sort of program and uh, dive in feet first. Yeah. If you have any questions, Jeff's pretty good at Fusion and I'm pretty good at SketchUp. Um, we might be able to help you out, but like I said, almost every answer is on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And they have big, big self-help communities in those uh, programs. Self-help. Oh, self-help. It's uh, yeah. pretty poignant. Yeah. If, if uh, the tough get going, the going get tough. How's that go? <laughs> What's that thing I said this morning? <laughs> You're smart Remember. and strong, and you can do this. <laughs> You're good. And you're, you're strong, smart, and you got this. Yeah. Just imagine the picture of a kitten hanging on a branch. Yeah. <laughs> Nonstop, I get these uh, spam emails about our website. Oh, Do you want your website yeah, to be yeah. number one on Google? <laughs> no. No, thanks. Well, yeah. I started to cut off all these things at the end. And uh, now I forget what the hell we talk about. Beer of the week, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. We're both. What do you think of milk shaking it by Icarus Brewing? I'm gonna say that as flavor goes, last week we had that Smithwick. That thing was right up my alley. Mm-hmm. This one, not so much, but I enjoyed it for its 
distinctiveness, I'll say. Right. Um, it was a little bit, uh, I don't know, is bitter the right word? I don't. It yeah. is bitter. Yeah. yeah. But I usually like bitter uh, tasting. Beer. Maybe it's too hoppy for you. Oh, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I didn't get a lot of vanilla. I definitely picked up on the lactose. Um, milkshake. I wouldn't go I'm, that far. I'm not sure why they call it that. It's like the lactose in there. Like it has a yeah. little bit of like a milky kind of mm-hmm. flavor. Uh, and the sweetness. A little bit sweet for my taste. And uh, I didn't realize that it's 8.1%. A little yeah. boozy for me. Yeah. Um, this, like I drank like a third of it and I was like, like, feeling a little yeah. bit of the booze <laughs> we're lightweights here we do not drink yeah, a lot no and uh we but don't eat a lot during i did the day. enough drinking in my younger years to uh make up for it but yeah it was good i guess the wheat maybe in there is giving it some of that sweetness too <laughs> heavily weeded and end oated with lactose and vanilla i think it's the hoppiness because i remember when we were at triumph that time remember when we had like those flights i think hoppy beers are not my thing See, I love hops. That's that piney mm-hmm. and uh, sort of, tro- you get the tropical yeah, fruits. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. But yeah, you can smell the booze. Yeah. It's a little hot, you know, in the back of the throat. You can you can taste the alcohol. Um, but I this, like- if you aged it for a couple of years, it would probably be really good because yeah. it mellow out. I have a beer at home. I have one left. It's a 22-ounce bottle. I brewed it on January 1st, 2012. It's a bourbon barrel stout. Wow. So it's a stout, and I aged it on oak staves with uh, Maker's Mark bourbon. When's that going to be beer of the week? I don't know. I've been saving it for something. I don't know yeah. what, but it's, you know, it's going Our 50th on. 50th show. Going on 10 years since I that's, brewed it. That's what we'll save it for. 50th? Yeah. Only 20 more shows. 21. Yeah, five months from now. Yeah. Icarus. I like the name Icarus. Yeah, Lakewood. We'll be going there to pick up some glass pretty soon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Lakewood. Watch out, though. They got some bad driving down there. Yeah. (laughs) It's a bad place to be with a lot of glass. Yeah. So it's time to thank everybody. Yeah, yeah. As always, the uh, the beer of the week and the tool of the week will be down in the description. If you want a American Craftsman podcast glass, head over to the website. We got a couple of those left that we can send out. Um, oh, you know what else I want to I want to tell everybody to go to uh, uh, Reverb Nation. Oh yeah. So the the website's reverbnation.com, and my band, the New Soul Rebellion, posted up some songs. I'd like you to take a listen. If I'll you put a link. And, uh, you know, check it out and let me know what you think. That's what really looking for some honest feedback. There. Yeah. Yeah. And is there a spot on Reverb where they can leave a comment or, you know, or send that it to I, you on Instagram? Yeah, they probably could Instagram yeah. me. Um, Which is what? Rob. Rob underscore, underscore green, green underscore, underscore street. street. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'd like to uh, spread the word and see just uh, what you guys think. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be afraid to say anything that's... Uh, unsettling <laughs> got, got a thick skin after all these yeah. years 
If you uh, if you want to support the podcast directly, you can uh, become one of our patrons. So every week we uh, do an after show. So we'll sit down here for about a half hour or an hour and do a little... Ah, shoot the breeze. Yeah, we talk about all kinds of stuff. We might talk about ancient aliens or... Oh, Oak the Island, Navy. The or, Navy. Yeah, the new UFO, uh, you know, uh, manifesto that they're going to drop. Oh, yeah. Um, and we might talk about some woodworking, too. <laughs> Well, yeah. You get all kinds of dirt on people. Oh, and, yeah. This uh, is where we let it fly. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're one of these 20 people here, you get to hear all the all the dirt. You get, you get to hear the, what we really think yeah. of a few people. Yeah. So if you want to, if you'd like to join, uh, link is in the description. Uh, we'd, we'd appreciate it if you did. Yeah. But no pressure if you don't want no, to. But no. it's nice. You know, you get basically uh, an hour of exclusive podcast a week. Yeah, yeah, and uh, keeps us keeps us going. Yeah. Um because we lose half a day here, it does help supplement to, to some small degree. Yeah, I'm uh, at home until, you know, <laughs> 7 8 o'clock getting everything put, put yeah, together. Yeah, Jeff usually texts me like 8:30. He's like, like "What? Oh, just finished." <laughs> if it's a long one, forget about it. I got to compress audio files and split. Yeah. Know. But yeah, thank our uh, gold tier patrons. Speaking of Patreon, David Murphy, Manny Siriani, Dustin Fair, Adam Pothast, and David Schumacher. Shoemaker, damn it. Shoemaker. It's going to take me a while. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> Beats Cause, me. Because I, I probably uh, poisoned your mind. Well, I we, started... went, we went a couple weeks before we found yeah. out that it was Shoemaker. <laughs> Shoemaker. <laughs> My wife still corrects me when I... Um, the pronunciation of her name. We've been married. for I don't even know years. what it is anymore. <laughs> I don't even know. Andrea. Yeah, she. she and, I'm gonna say Andrea. Andrea. I'm gonna say Andrea. But I call her Andrea, and she corrects me. She's like, "Why can't you?" It's been 20 years. I think my wife said it every possible way. When yeah. we were over here a couple yeah. weeks ago. That's like the plumber Mario. She's calling him Mario Mario. Mario. Uh, every time it's different. Like just pick one. It's probably Mario. Nobody says Mario. <laughs> Not in New Jersey. No, I went to school with kids that were from Italy. Yeah. And he was Mario Ingato. <laughs> Not Mario. Just when he says it, it sounds different. Yeah. He said Mario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Yeah. We'll see you next week for Be episode, well. Take care. episode 30.